Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Chris Senkbao with me. He is a VP over at Unico, and he's also the founder of Faro. And one of the things I think you're going to learn about his story is when you have a strong work ethic, uh, not having all the answers is not a barrier to entry. So, Chris, thanks so much for being on, brother. Hey, man. Good to, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. You betcha. So to start off with your story, uh, and we were kind of chatting about it just a minute ago, you know, growing up in Midwest Nebraska, um, you know, I think there's just an element of work ethic that can come, uh, you know, from that that uh, demographic or that region. So talk a little bit about, you know, the early years and, uh, you know, how the work ethic was formed. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a farm boy. Uh, started working, I think, eight hour days uh at about age five and you know and then just have never ever ever stopped it, it's the expectation you know on the farm everybody pitches in and yeah. I think we we joke but I think I started driving a stick shift at age six all around the countryside out there because you're just you're an extra hand right so get to work and figure it out and that was the expectation the only thing we got off work for and this was my dad was really good about this was for athletics. So yes. if we had a practice or a game or weights, he always made sure we could make it there. So we kind of had this decision to make, like, listen, if I don't want to be working, which I didn't, I'm going to get in as many sports as I possibly can. Right. And I'm going to go to every weight, you know, I'm going to go <laughs> to every like early bird. I'm going to hit everything I can so I cannot work. So, um, but I, I think to your point, like, you know, the, there's a tremendous blessing that comes with that, you know, that upbringing that you don't necessarily appreciate at the time, which is, you know, broad shoulders just kind of come part and parcel with that, you know, and you just like, you know, you, you're working eight hour days on the farm and then you're going to go hit a baseball game or you're going to go, you know, lift at the gym for two hours that <laughs> night, you know, and I remember a lot of summers coming home and like, you know, you're eating dinner at like nine thirty, ten after like yeah. like an eighteen hour day, you know, and then you wake up and do it all over again. So, um, so yeah, super blessed to just kind of have that in, ingrained in in sort of my being to to some degree. And I know, um, you know, as I as I try and raise my kids now, because I've got three, and it's like, how do I instill that in them? Yeah, you know? I want them to have that blessing of like grit and drive and work ethic and um, it's not easy actually. So I, I'm again, very blessed. Thankful to my folks for, for, for doing that for me. Yeah. Well, and something you hit on there was the sports aspect. And so, uh, you know, sports became a you know important part of your life and football, especially became kind of a, you know, catalyst and end up pursuing college. But one thing I'm always curious about, you know, was that a life goal? Was it, hey, after a certain game or a certain season, I felt like, wow, I'm actually good enough to go do that? Or what did that look like for you? You know what? I didn't think anything else uh, other than I'm doing sports and I'm going to take yeah. this as far as I possibly can. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the 
pros and cons of my upbringing too, is like my dad just instilled in us, like you work hard enough, you can do anything in life. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell yeah. me that I was a 5'10", slow, skinny white boy. Like that, <laughs> I forgot to kind of like mention, you know, that part of the equation. So in my mind, yeah. I'm like, well, like NFL, man, like I can do it because I'm going to work hard yeah. and get there. And then, you know, you get to college and, you know, you have some success there, but you kind of realize like, you know what, like, I'm not different in the way you need to be different to go to the next <laughs> level, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's certainly, certainly was, uh, very much like my focus was taking it as far as I could and working as hard as I could to take it that as that far. And, and then you kind of get to a point, like you said, where you, you kind of have that realization of like, yeah, you know what, like it's been a good run, but, uh, we probably maxed out the potential, uh, uh on the ceiling there. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, so one thing I always think is interesting is, you know, people that play athletics in general, but especially once you get to the college level, uh, there's certain leadership principles that you either get exposed to and you're like, wow, I really would like to adopt that someday, you know, whether that's as a parent or in my business. And then there's other leadership styles that you see and you're like, I hope I never have to deal with this again. So, you know, were there any, you know, coaches or leaders on your team that, you know, you really bought into their system or, you know, maybe vice versa people. You're like, I hope this never is a part of, you know, my, my future. Yeah. Isn't life interesting that way? Um, yeah. I, I would say my high school football coach, Tomlin, shout out to coach T uh, still, still coaching at uh, Grand Island senior high and, and uh, does a tremendous, tremendous job out there. But um, just he, he instilled a, uh, a concept for me that I found at the time, like probably didn't appreciate as much as I do now, but he called it go 11 and go mm -hmm. 11 meant, uh, as a team, we are moving in a common direction, right? A common goal. And we're doing it together, all 11 guys on the field. And yeah. I, I think, I think that as I've, as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate that more, um, just to, to understand that, you know, listen, I can drive and run as hard as I want on my own, but if I'm not bringing people with me, right. As I do that one, it's not fulfilling Two, I'm not, yeah. gonna go, I'm not going to go near as far. Um, and so really leaning on, you know, friendships on counterparts, uh, you know, to help develop, grow myself and, and in turn, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of concept there. So that's probably the one that's, that really stuck with me the most. And then, yeah, you have other experiences, you know, with other coaches along the way where, you know, maybe they're not as, you know, uplifting as you would hope. And, and you learn from those in the same way, right? Like you learn in the yeah. same way. I don't want to be that kind of leader that elicits, you know, that sort of response from the people I'm, you know, I'm leading or engaging with. So, yeah, certainly like the athletics, I think, you know, the, the team concept, working with others, you know, conflict, all that. And then just the, the the leadership that you kind of learn as a part of being in all that is, I think, uh, again, just a tremendous blessing at, at, to take forward later in life for sure. So, and I'm sure you can relate to some degree. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, uh, I always say role models can be one of two things, either people you'd like to emulate or people that you never want to be like, right? Both are still a, a role model if you look up the definition. So, yep, you nailed it, buddy. You nailed it. <laughs> 
Now, as you're graduating, uh, once again, hey, you know, it's time to be done with school. And like many, you know, people that graduate college, it's like, well, I don't have like this crystal clear ball of exactly what I want to do. So you enter into banking. Uh, and along the way, though, you know, you, your passion for basketball, you keep playing basketball and some pickup games. And so that's start stirring a conversation uh, for a certain company. So talk about how that all came to be. Yeah. Um yeah, you know what's funny is the not knowing. I my my nephew who's turning 16 was uh just visiting from LA a couple weeks ago and we were kind of talking about that like what do you like what's your why, right? Like yeah. what do you want to even at that age like start driving for? And at 16 you don't have a clue. Like you have some ideas, <laughs> right? But you don't have a clue. And I think yeah. I was very much the same way. I'm like I just want to go and do and be successful like I my personality yeah. is like optimizer maximizer like I just want to get the most out of whatever I'm doing and um and I think the the you know the early days coming out of school like I just identified like you know what this isn't gonna be fulfilling for me in any way shape or form um and really what I wanted was autonomy uh, I wanted three things I wanted autonomy uh, I wanted recurring revenue and I mm. wanted ownership. Uh, I didn't yeah. know how I was going to get those things, but that's what I, that's what I wanted to get to. Right. And yeah, yeah so I, when I wasn't traveling, I'd play noon ball and played, started playing pickup ball and, you know, two or three times a week over the lunch hour. And uh, you start doing that over time and you start to get to know the guys you're running with or whatever. And a couple of the guys said, Hey, have you ever thought about getting into insurance? And I was like, <laughs> No, no, like I never thought about it once, you know, and they're like, well, you should come sit down and like learn a little bit more about what the independent brokerage world looks like, like what our firm looks like. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it was an opportunity to check all three of the boxes that I wanted to check in a fairly low risk sort of environment, because you've got the backdrop of the firm to support you versus going out and starting something on your own. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was just a great fit that way. I had a small family and, um, yeah, got in and, and started running hard at the brokerage and, um, just been a tremendous, you know, tremendous, uh, opportunity with a group of, of good guys to go 11, you know, work towards the top common yeah. goal brokerage. And, uh, and we have, you know, and I started, I'm nine years in now, I think, um, uh, I think we were about 19, $19 million in revenue. And I think we're 32, 33 million and you know, have sites to, you know, to keep, to keep moving. So uh, it's, you know, it doesn't happen easy. It doesn't happen overnight, but, you know, I was thinking uh, actually uh, one of my uh, employees sent me a text last night on the compounding effect. Hmm. And it was like, so timely, right. It's just that yeah. uh, you're probably familiar with uh, Ed Millette, like power one, right. But just wake yeah. up like one more phone call, one more conversation, one more day. Right. And, and eventually that, you know, that compounding effect eventually is going to kind of like hockey stick a little bit. And I think, I think that's the way I look at, you know, day-to-day -day life is yeah. Just wake up and keep fighting, man. Like one more, that's all you got to do. Yes. Well, and so something that I want to highlight in that is it's not like things weren't going well for you in, you know, banking or then in the franchise or, uh, yeah. you know, selling. It's like things were going well, but you were still open to opportunity. And I think, you know, <clears throat> you and I are both young, but like reflecting on like younger years. Yeah. And that is, man, like saying yes 
just creates so many opportunities that you may not have ever, ever otherwise explored. So maybe talking to saying yes in the younger years, but now something that I'm struggling with as I get older is saying yes to the right things instead of saying yes to everything. And it's like, but it served me so well to say yes to everything for the last decade. But unfortunately, to get to where I want to go for the next decade, saying yes to everything actually is a prohibitor because it's like I'm spending time in, in the wrong circles or in the wrong events. So talk about kind of those two different dynamics. Yeah. Uh, our mantra uh, for the for the startup for Pharaoh this year is ferociously focused at mm. Pharaoh. And uh, really what that means is we can't say yes to every request that comes in. Hey, could you guys do this? Uh, yeah. or make this for us. Right. Um, and I think I think there's a lot to be said for, again, that compounding effect. It's got to be focused. Right. It, it can't yeah. be shotgun approach in a ton of different areas, because then I've tried that early on in my career. Like I tried uh, and you and I were talking before we jumped on here. You know, hey, I'm 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 going to focus, you know, in all these different sort of industries or areas or whatever. I'm going to go, you know, an inch deep, a mile wide. Well, that's not really going to pay off because, as you know, in life, 90 percent of it is relationship driven. And Mm -hmm. if you can go a mile deep and an inch wide, you're going to get a lot more out of that than you are, you know, with the, the, the other approach. So I think I think as I've gotten older and further into the career, like it really does come down to to staying focused on kind of what your North star is like in, in understanding your why, right? Like, why am I doing this? What is like my end game? And does this thing that just came in as an option support me heading towards that end game? Yes or no. And, and try and like create that mental framework to run it through. I think it makes it pretty simple then, right. To, to say yes or no, if it does or doesn't support where you're ultimately trying to go. And it's tough, right? Because like you got friends who ask you or whatever, and you're like, oh, I want to help, or or you got you know partners who you know, or maybe you're like, oh gosh, it could be a in good investment, or all these different things that kind of come your way, and it it can still be tough. But I think establishing that framework to run it through, like understanding where you're going, and in that, it's really hard not to get caught up on like what everybody else is doing, you know. Yes. And I think you got to just stay focused on like, hey, for me. This is what I can do. This is where I'm going. It's great that all these other things are going on for other people, but for me, this is this is my track, and I'm going to keep running on it. You know. Yeah. So, so how does Chris uh, dilute the noise of the FOMO? <laughs> oh man, you know what? Uh, probably not as well as I should. Um, but I do think for me, like I have a pretty like pretty consistent vision I'll, uh, I, I was meeting with kind of a, a counselor life coach and mm-hmm. they gave me this analogy of of a bus a city bus and I'm the driver and um, again it's just another way to think about mental framework right she, yeah. she had me pick uh, five of my what we called my core values okay mm-hmm. she said throw those core values up on the ticker of the bus, right? That's where the next destination is this core Mm. value, right? She said, okay, so if something gets on the bus that doesn't support that core value where you're heading, what are you going to do? Kick it Mm. off the bus, right? Um, It's just a way for me, again, another mental framework to think about 
think about that. And so, you know, there's, there's things that support my core values that maybe are a little bit of a distraction for my business values. Right. Yeah. But I still want to do them because they support my core values. So I think it really just comes down to like sitting down personally and, and, and thinking about, okay, what are my core values? What am I working towards? There's certainly the monetary financial thing, but guess what? Yeah. That's not number one for me. Yeah. Like it's not number one that, you know, faith, family, those things are number one for me. So there's other things that come on the bus that support those core values. Like let's, you know, like let's engage them and figure out how to like divide myself enough to be able to accomplish all of it and keep it, you know, keep the bus moving down the road. Right. Yeah. I love that. that. That's a great framework to look at. Now, as you're starting off in the Unico and you're having some success as a producer uh, in that industry at the time, you know, if you hit certain levels of production, uh, you would get invited on a, on a trip. And so you, you end up taking a, a certain trip and uh, meeting a certain somebody. So talk a little bit about how this comes to be on the trip. Oh, uh, yeah. You must have talked to Clara. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was single and uh, uh, it's uh, it's our we call it our president's club trip. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like all the guys, my partners at the firm and their spouses and then, you know, the single guy on the on the trip. And yeah, long story short, uh, we met Clara's best friend and her husband, uh, Anna and Chris, on the trip and at our resort. And Anna, you know, kind of hit it off with our group and they were chatting and, and I was, I was, I don't know, floating on a unicorn shooting baskets in the pool or something. And, uh, uh, they all worked out to bring Clara just happened to be vacationing at the same time, like 20 miles South, just pure happenstance. And, and they all worked out and I was going <laughs> to tell Clara, Hey, come up to the resort the next day, uh, and just hang out. We'll pay for your day or whatever. And so I'm kind of like, no idea what's going on. And, and, and Chris, that uh, was Anna's husband's name, Chris came over the next morning and said, Hey, you know, stop by, hang out. We got the cabana rented out or whatever for the day. And I said, sure, I'll, you know, I'll pop over. You guys were, you know, super nice yesterday. And so I went over and said, Oh, Hey, by the way, this is our friend, Clara. You know, and I just kind of had one of those moments of like, Oh, uh, I already know this is going to be a thing. Like I took one look at the girl. I'm like, this is going to be a thing. you know. And it did. So we hung out for the day and she had to leave and head back to her spot. And she said, well, should we exchange phone numbers? She's from Toronto. And I said, yeah, you know, I guess we can exchange phone numbers. Like, sure. You know, thinking nothing was going to come of it. And a year later we were married. So. (laughs) I love it, brother. I love it. Yeah. Very blessed. Very blessed. Yeah, well, and now, you know, just in that regard, and obviously, we're going to talk about, you know, the starting of a new business, but, uh, you know, so many people talk about the person that you, you know, end up with is going to be a big dictator of, you know, how far you can go and, you know, the, you know, level of success you can have, because, you know, let's be honest, we, we all know people where, hey, the spouse is not super supportive of, you know, long hours, they're not super supportive of taking a risk, because, well, what happens if it doesn't work out? I mean, does that mean our family doesn't get to take a family vacation, right? I mean, all those different things. And so making sure you're aligned with, you know, amount of time, energy, effort, and risk that can go into something. So talk a little bit about your guys's, you know, partnership dynamic there when it comes to the business side of things. You know, so, so I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on the spousal kind of component there. I think, I think it, it is as big a component of 
you know, success uh, as anything, right? If yeah. you're spending all your time on a tough relationship or, you know, trying to, and, and you can't focus on, you know, trying to build that legacy or whatever your kind of why or your boss yeah. kicker is, um, it's distracting, right? It consumes your energy. Best thing about Clara, so uh, I, I had been kind of stewing on this startup idea for a while, hadn't mentioned it to her. Finally, one Friday, uh, I'm on my way home from work. We had to fly out to Miami the next morning. Uh, and I called her and I said, hey, I got this thing. I cannot get it out of my head. Like, I, I can't. Like, it, I have to do something with it. I, it's gonna, It's consuming me. Like, I have to do this thing. Uh, what do you think? And and verbatim, she goes, "Ride or die, dude. Let's go." And and like <laughs> that's that's like that is so powerful, right? To yeah. have that support, knowing took you know uh, took three words, right? Ride or die. And uh, and I like I felt entirely empowered and commissioned by her, supported by her to go and start it. So we hit Miami. We were supposed to be on vacation, and I spent the entire vacation working like feeling the, you know, the, the freedom now to like take what was out in my head and like get it out and start working on it. And so we were down there, she was poolside and I, and I was working <laughs> and she was cool with it. Right. She was yeah. Cool it, so. Well, so I love that because it is so important. Now the flip side is right. It's important to give time, energy, and attention to the important relationships in your life. Right. So there is that element of, Hey, there, if you did that all day, every day, she probably wouldn't love that. You know, so you have to be intentional of, all right, I need to turn it off for a little bit and make sure that, you know, I'm filling up her cup in the way that she needs it filled. So, you know, talk about that other, the, the flip side of the balancing act, right? And how you, you know, can make sure you're being intentional with your time, energy and effort towards, you know, a spouse or a partner in a relationship. Yeah, man, and people don't tell you that, like, you know, like startup world, like, you know, kind of like sexy or whatever. They don't tell you how much strain it actually does put on a relationship. And it does like, I'll be dead honest with you. It does put strain on a relationship because even if I'm present, right. Physically mental <laughs> presence is yeah. still sometimes a hard thing to have when your mind is working on, you know, a lot of different, you know, components. And so I would say like, you know, God's honest truth, like it, it does create stress in the relationship. Um, just because of, you know, when I'm done with work, you know, on the clock, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm done with work up here. And so, you know, she's been really good. The, the one thing about, about Claire, that's like a huge blessing is she will just say it like she doesn't, there's no like <laughs> passive aggressive behavior. There's, she'll just be like, so, uh, like you want to be here right now? Like, what are you doing, dude? Which is awesome because yeah. I'm like a super typically like a pretty like uh, uh, I don't even know what the right word is. Like, I'm quick to to apologize. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, you know, like I'm so sorry. You're right. Okay, I'm here. Like, let's do whatever it is we're doing. But I think the the intentionality, and you probably hear this all the time, but like the intentionality just becomes even that much more important because you're balancing the startup, the day job, kids, all those different things. And so just finding those moments that doesn't have to be a lot, right? But where you can just sit down, you're not talking about anything other than the two of you, what your passions are together, what you want to accomplish together, right? Uh, what drives her. And, you know, that's 
that's an hour and a half date night, you know, once a week or coffee or brunch or, you know, um, whatever. So you, but I, I think the intentionality just becomes that much more important and it doesn't matter. You, any relationship requires intentionality. I just think it becomes yeah. even more emphasized when you, when you're kind of in that startup realm that can absolutely consume you. So. Absolutely. So talking about, you know, getting into the startup world, uh, you know, how many times have you and I both heard a person that says, oh, I had that idea once or, oh, you know, I wish I would start a business. And there's a difference between saying it and doing it. Right. And I think a lot of people, it's either the risk or it's the fear of the unknown. I mean, you know, whatever it might be that prevents them from starting. So talk a little bit about, you know, taking that leap of faith and getting a business started, uh, especially with what you're doing, which is really, I mean, one of a kind, right? It's not like, you know, you're recreating Walmart here and you have this perfect blueprint. You're kind of, you know, doing a whole brand new uh, idea. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the taking the step or the leap uh, or the plunge, maybe that's a better, maybe <laughs> um, you know, I think for me, it, it was a, a couple things. And I, and I even like with my nephew, I mentioned, I was kind of coaching up and, and talking yeah. about like life and where it goes. Um, and just trying to help him think about like what he wants to do college and, and all those things. Um, I think one of the pieces of, of advice I give to anybody early in their career is, is just get into something and learn it and do it really, really, really well. Right. Um, because you're gaining such a tool set as you do that over the course of time. And then I think the other piece of advice is be patient, right? Like just be patient yeah. and allow yourself, like somebody who's a achiever mindset, it's hard to be patient because you're like, well, I want to be making this or whatever. And I want to do it tomorrow. Right. And that's yeah. just an unrealistic expectation. And so I think for me, I, at 26, I made the, the commitment like, okay, I'm getting into the independent insurance brokerage world and I'm just, I'm committed to it. So I'm going to yeah. stick with it. I'm not giving up. I'm going to be patient. And what that allowed me then with the startup was to gain an education on an industry that I think w was, you know, well-established for some change, some automations, innovation, disruption, whatever you want to call it. And I had all of that, that knowledge, that education of, of almost a decade in to, to kind of take in and inform how we approach that, how we did it. And I think that's very different than, hey, I'm going to, I'm a tech guy and I know how to code and I'm just going to go try and disrupt the space without yeah. knowing like the frequency of that space. Right. So for me, it was a little bit easier because I had the knowledge and experience. And then I think the other thing that made it super easy is I had conviction. So right. I felt like with my own customers at the independent brokerage, I wasn't giving them the best mm -hmm. uh, that was out yeah. there. And that's because there wasn't anything out there. We needed to create something for them uh, that got them into the 21st century. And, you know, not like 1985, like most of the insurance industry still operates. So for me, there was like a conviction component to it of like, hey, if I tell my clients I'm going to do everything I can to serve them well, like we kind of had to do it, in my opinion, 
Um, otherwise I wasn't going to be holding up that end of the, you know, my end of the bargain on that. So, so I think those two things, like the, the time, the, the experience, and then the, you know, the, the conviction component made it easier for me to make the plunge. Cause I'm like, you know what, like, it's the right thing to do. There's, there's definitely like some kind of altruism in that initial yeah. vision of like, no, you got to do it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, we're going to do it what the heck are we going to do? Like, how are we going to accomplish this? You know? And then you got like a whole nother set of like, after you've kind of made that decision, how do we get from A to B, um, which is a, you know, a whole nother dynamic. Yeah. So there's a couple points I want to highlight in that. And I'll just start with the last one first and then we'll work our way back. But the first one is, you know, I think for so many people, exactly what you're saying is right. You know, you're sitting there and you're like, I need to have all the answers before I can really start. And the problem is, is that anything you're going to start, uh, you, I mean, you want to be calculated by the same token until you get user feedback or until you get customer feedback, you're not going to have all the right answers anyway. Uh, so don't wait until you think it's perfect, you know, go to market and then get feedback from the people that are actually going to be a potential customer or a client, right? So talk a little bit about that from your guys' standpoint of, hey, we were calculated, we had insider info, but we still had to start somewhere and then take feedback to get it to where it's progressing to today. Yeah, um, I think that's a, like easily the, the most important, powerful part of the experience is you have to have enough confidence to go right? Yeah. Enough humility to pivot, right? Yeah. Along the way, enough humility to say, you know what, we thought it was this, but actually it's, it's, we're three degrees off. It's this, um, yeah. and, and make those adjustments. And that's hard when you're like attached to something, right? But right. what becomes powerful in that process, and we were fortunate, we got plugged into the Omaha startup collaborative, uh, who just kind of incubated us, like coached us through, Hey, how do we get from A to B to C? Um, and a big part of that is, yeah, that, that customer feedback component. Hey, don't, don't spend $10 million building something that nobody's used once, you know, spend $5,000, get a piece of it in front of them and ask them, Hey, are we on the right track? Get that feedback, you know, make your pivots and adjust and keep, you know, kind of keep going. So that was certainly our progression was, you know, let's start small, right? Work big, iterative approach to the whole process. Um, and and it's served us well um, so far. And it's going to continue to be that way in perpetuity, right? Like we're always getting feedback of, hey, could you tweak this? We didn't love how this worked. Or, hey, we loved this. Could you do more of it? You know, and that yeah. feedback becomes super, super powerful. And it doesn't matter if that's in technology like we are, or, you know, if that's construction or anything, right? Like that, um, I think uh, Dan Allison, feedback marketing, right? Like it's yeah. that same kind of same thing, right? Like doesn't matter the industry, go get feedback. That's going to make you better. And if you're willing to get better, listen, you're going to do just fine, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's really good. Now, the second thing that I want to highlight was when you just made the comment, you know, hey, I made the decision to to join your coach, you know, to enter into the insurance space. And like, <clears throat> I, I wanted to be focused on that. And I think it correlates really well to what you're talking about earlier when you said, you know, hey, don't get the shiny object investment syndrome. Right. And I think what happens for a lot of people is they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to start here, but if it doesn't work out in the next three, four five months, like I'm, I'm open to something else. And 
inherently, there's no problem with making pivots like you just mentioned. At the same token, if you're not all in, it's really hard on that one day where just everything goes wrong to stay committed to seeing what's possible. And so, you know, I think it's, you know, having a, all right, I'm going to give this a year, right? And if after the year, it's just not what I thought it was, or it's not going the way, cool, then I will transition. But it's not a constant, you know, revolving door of like, eh, if something else comes through, maybe I'll just, you know, take that run with it for a little while. So talk about, you know, the idea of having a commitment to something, because that's going to let you see it through even on the tough days. And at the same token, you know, to your point, being willing to pivot if you find out, hey, this isn't the right thing. Yeah, my it's my wife. So really what you're learning here is she's like actually the one you should be having the podcast with because I just <laughs> regurgitate everything she she gives me. But she she often uses this phrase, uh, it, it's all about balance. <laughs> and what she means by that is body, mind, soul, work, play, family, faith, all those things, right? There's got to be some equal weighting to all of those uh, as you go through life. And I think I think the commitment um, is the first step. Right. But weighting wow. that weighting that with all those other components of, hey, if I get a year out and I'm just miserable, my I, my faith, my family, all those things are way out of skew because I, I I'm doing this thing and I did commit to it, which is good. But having the ability to to look at the rest of of your kind of ecosystem, if you will, as a person and say, you know what, like, but it has thrown all this out of whack for me. It is time for a pivot. Right. So I think mm -hmm. it, it just takes thoughtfulness and awareness around like, you know, what's good for you as a person. I think that I think balance is hard no matter what. Right. Like we live in a hyper fast paced mm -hmm. uh, environment, especially here in the States, you know, and like you know, like people are like, it's like a badge of honor to be like, Hey, I worked a hundred hours this week. Right. And to yeah. me, like, sure. Yeah. Like great work ethic, but also like what other por portions of your life are now way out of whack. Right. Yeah. Um, like we're just not meant to, to only do that. Right. And, and the talk about like compounding effect of like stress over time, right. right? Like that's also not a good thing. Right. Like, yeah. You got you to gotta get some rest and, and mentally, emotionally, spiritually or whatever. So I think it, you know, for me, it, 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 commitment is always weighted with how how is this impacting the other pieces of my life, the ticker on the bus that are super important to me. And is it supporting all of that or is it massively impacting all that in a negative way? And that's how I kind of like that's sort of the litmus I run it through um, personally just to see. And so even like with the startup stuff, there are days where I'm like, wow, other portions of life are way out of whack. And then yeah. it's like adjusting the dial, right? Okay. Like how do I recalibrate this to kind of make it all work for now? Understanding that everything's for a season, right? Like yeah. I'm only going to be in startup world for a period of time, right? It's, it's, Eventually, it can't be a startup. I don't know what, like how many years in it's not a startup, but eventually you can no longer call it a startup, I'm pretty sure. So um, so understanding, hey, for a season, you know, like I may be out of whack a little bit here. Here's so I'm trying to recalibrate and adjust for it. Um, 
that's you know those are all things that like each individual person like it's different and their thresholds are different and what's important to them is different um some guys like hey work is it and they don't care about anything else that's not me like i really nope. care about my family i really care about spending time there and investing time there so i'm going to adjust and and make sure that that's still a focus and a priority for me Absolutely. Well, so to tie it all together, then from a first comment to, to now, you know, I think an interesting dynamic as a parent, I'm sure you're finding I, I myself am not a parent, but I think about it frequently. And it's like, you know, that would be a tough uh, balancing act. And that is, you know, you talked about the work ethic that was instilled in you and, you know, certain ways that that was done. And obviously your world is a bit different, right? You know, you can't say, Hey, I need you to go, you know, sweep out the barn for, you know, four hours today. Like, <laughs> that's just not, not the job that's going to be done. Um, but I think the other dynamic is every parent aspires to give their children more than what they ever had. And so it's kind of that balancing act of like, how do I give them more, but make them appreciate it equally as much, if not more and understand what it's taken to have that opportunity. So you know, I know you, for you, you said, hey, it's not easy, but, you know, any words of wisdom to someone listening that's like, man, I'm trying to, you know, instill this in my kiddos. What what can I be doing? Man, um, I'm not sure I've got the, the code cracked on that one, to be honest. I, here's what I will say. Uh, it, I read a little bit, right? So I put yeah. out some, some books and some different things. The love languages I find really fascinating. If you've never done it, should do it. Um, whether it's for a spouse, girlfriend, a parent, a kid, it doesn't matter. It, it applies. And I think just understanding, you know, kind of like how your kids mentally engage and respond is really important because with each kid, I just had a conversation with my oldest last night at bedtime. Um, you know, we kind of do our devotions and tuck in or whatever. And then we had a conversation. I said, what are you passionate about right now? I'm curious, right? She's 13. I'm like, what are you passionate about right now? And we have these conversations all the time. And she, she gave me her answer. Right. And I'm like, okay, like I, you, there's two things she said. I'm like, okay, so how do I support you in those? Right. Yeah. And, and, and starting to instill that, Hey, if you're passionate about this thing and you want to go do that thing, what's it going to take for you to do that and do it very successfully? And so for me, at least today, it's conversational um, because of our environment. Whereas, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, get your butt outside and shovel, you know, some, you know, what yeah. in, in the feedlot. Cause like, like you're not getting dinner if you don't, you know, it's not quite that dynamic in our house. So I try and approach it in from a little bit more of like a conversational, like uh, self-advocation sort of approach. Like mm -hmm. I want them to advocate for themselves. Like you want something, tell me what that is. And then I'm going to help you build the framework, right? The path to go get that thing. Um, so that's how we approach it. I don't know that that is going to, um, you know, yield great results. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see in about 10 years, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Chris, are there any other, you know, pivotal moments that you want to make sure to highlight that have been uh, so far on this journey? Hey, man, uh, I don't think so. I, I appreciate the opportunity to have the discussion. I Can I ask, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Ask away, brother. All right, man. So, so just tell me about your, uh, your desire, your start to start doing a podcast what you know what kind of like the the motivation what got you going how that all I'm, I'm curious just tell me tell me a little bit about it 
Yeah. So kind of funny story. So I take in a lot of content. Like I love to read. I love to listen to things. And my friends would always say, gosh, why don't you just do it yourself? And just like everyone else is like, because I already have a million and one things, you know, between the financial planning practice, between the rental real estate business I run. It's like, I got more than enough stuff going on. The last thing I need is another thing, you know, on the docket. And uh, anyway, it was COVID of 2020. And every November, I take like a five-day getaway to set my goals for the next year. And I like doing it in November because it motivates me to finish the year strong for December. And it gives me enough time to make sure like that's what's important. So I invite two, yeah, I invite two of my best friends, uh, Jason and his wife, Rebecca, out to Colorado with me. I got in a cabin and I said, hey, during the day, I'm going to be off the grid. But at night, it'd be fun to, you know, have cocktails and dinner and whatnot. Well, anyway, we're driving out there and I'm just asking Jason a bunch of questions as we drive. And his wife in the backseat goes, the way you ask questions is kind of interesting. Like, have you ever thought about uh, having a podcast? And I was like, well, I have thought of it. I'm going to set my goals. Like I should probably just do the darn thing. Uh, and so that was the idea. Well, simultaneously, I was reading this book at the time and it's called The Power of Moments. And it's a little bit different than like what we're talking about, but it's why we remember certain things and why we don't remember other things. Yeah. And so anyway, I was like, well, I think it's, I love people's stories. I would be super intrigued to know like what moments, you know, have been impactful for them. And so that kind of gave me the idea. And so I had my goal the first year was to have 10 episodes. I figured, hey, you know, like one a month ish, that'll be good. And I recorded like the eighth one. And the guy was like, when's this going to come out? And I said, I'll probably release in like September. And he goes, eh, just delete it. Don't worry about using it. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And he goes, well, I don't want to wait that long to get the content. So just delete the interview and like, you know, you can have someone else. I was like, crap. So I was like, well, I need to get these out quicker. So I started to do one a week uh, or one every other week. And then I moved to one a week and then two a week. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of grown. I think last week's episode was episode like 233 or something like that. So Wow. <laughs> Love it, man. So talk about commitment right there, right? <laughs> that's awesome. I love hearing that. So, all right. So that's my takeaway from today is <laughs> got, there's, there's still room to, uh, to put some content out there, which is good. I appreciate you doing it, man. And thanks for, for indulging my question. I, I was, I was curious to know kind of the, the, the startup there. So glad to hear it. As, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your story, my man. Hey, pleasure. Anytime, brother.